we would just see like the garage door closing. This American monster. A monster of the week actual play from This American Dice. The penultimate episode of This American Monster. We see a door open and we see Welker come through that door. And this is a door to like the Lore Corporation um, office that you guys have here in Palmetto City. And um, you see a security officer and. Uh, oh, Graber. One of the security officers. Yeah, you see Graber um, kind of stands up and is like, like, oh, welcome back, Mr. Welker. And he kind of seems a little, he looks a little worried. Mr. Uh, Dr. McLean wants to, wants to speak with you. He was, he's, he's all ready for this fight. And now he's like, what, what the hell, where am I? Like, this is not what I was expecting. So okay. he'll like, be really wary. Um, and obviously he recognizes this place and he recognizes this person. Um but he's seen enough visions at this point and knows just roll with it. And so he'll like, um, he'll like have his hand on his gun and he'll like nod sort of like tensely and make his way down to the lab. Sure. Um, in the office, you see some, maybe there's some like calendars or some other things and you could see some like meetings that have been posted and they all seem very, very familiar. It's the kind of thing that if you had scheduled like, Every couple of weeks, um, every couple of weeks, we need to have a meeting to check in about such and such thing. You see, like on people's on people's meeting on people's calendars, like that meeting kind of highlighted. You see regular shit like the the biweekly paychecks that come into everybody. People have drawn little dollar signs on there, and mm-hmm. um, you walk to kind of that area that had been almost like a con- that containment area where Dag the Beetle Demon had been kept, and mm-hmm. When you go in there, like the door is locked. And of course you can just use your key card to open things up. And when you get in there, Dr. McLean is standing in front of some like computer monitors, like a very complex readout of stuff that mm-hmm. looks like um, something that someone would have in an in a emergency room that shows a lot of vital signs and that sort of thing. And um, he turns back around and he, he, or he turns around to you when he comes in and he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you've made it. And like Walker will like cock his head and look at him and say, Dr. McLean, like, do you, do you know what's going on here? I know this whole thing has been a real shock and, but there's good news. We've been able to, we've been able to save them. Save who? In some ways it was better that this had happened to you first as we could use some of the same, Studying some of your genetic material made this easier, especially with the children. With your wife, it had been more difficult, but here. And he hits several buttons and um, dramatically, because this is the way it would be lit in a TV show or a movie. These things have been present the whole time, but now they become backlit so you can see them. Which is like, I wouldn't have noticed these fucking vials with like people floating in them before. Kyle and Tara... Um, it's it's clear that it's them to you immediately. Like, they don't look um, how you are necessarily familiar with looking at them. Um, their skin looks pallid in this, like, weird kind of blue light. Uh, their skin, uh, 
they maybe seem like they have like lesions or burns on parts of their body uh, as you're as you're staring at them. And Dr. McLean will basically say like like using the using the techniques we using the techniques we had discovered with your and he'll pause treatment. We were we were able to we were able to help them. We hadn't we hadn't known it, how it was going to work, but it's actually been working. It's been working fairly well. They'll they'll likely encounter some of the same difficulties you did as you were adjusting, uh, but I think it could be made better. The area that was more difficult was with. As a scientist, I think he stumbles over not saying like a subject number, mm-hmm. and but he pauses at what to say after that as to whether to say your wife or to say her name. So uh, Walker will, in this moment, like trying to keep his calm, he'll say, get them out of there right now. The procedure is working, it's going extremely well. It's very, very promising. But if we take them out now, I don't, I don't think they'll be able to, I don't know if they'll be able to live past that. They're in a position where I don't think they can, I don't know if they could survive outside of these incubation tubes. I see Walker will draw his gun and point at him and say, make this stop right now. Fix this. And he'll, he kind of like, like backs away and he nervous, he puts his hands up and he goes over to a, a keypad and he enters like a code and he does, he scans his little ID badge. And he says, if we get them out of these incubation tubes, I don't know if they'll be able to make it. And if they do, I don't know how long it's, we're trying, we're trying to save them. We were trying to, trying to help them for, for you so that they're, so that they're not gone. Uh, Welker will, will turn the gun to the pod and like shoot it, drain it. Oh, sure. So you blast through this thing and, um, I think there's like just general glass that shatters. Um, and then like you shoot at this, this pod and these two pods like kind of crack and then like, um, like alarms start going off and you can look over and see the third um, incubation pod and in that third incubation pod is like a full grown adult woman but she looks far far worse than um, than either of the children and you kind of stare at that for a moment and then you can look back down to like the incubation pods and you see one of your kids we'll just go with Tara because it's we've kind of encountered her more often and you see Tara kind of like like turn her head up and she looks at you and you see that same look that you'd seen in your own eyes in those moments when you were almost nothing but a skeleton. So at this, uh, Walker will like close his eyes as hard as he can and put his hands to his head and just keep saying, this isn't real. This isn't real. This isn't real. When Ashton, when Ashton pictures hell, what does he picture? frozen wasteland this blinding white light kind of goes over your like kind of recedes from Ashton's vision and we see him standing there and he immediately has to kind of like clutch himself as he's like shot through to the bone with cold as this like wind and kind of snow seems to blow all over him but everything is dry Um, it's not any of the snow doesn't seem moist to the touch it almost feels more like dust than anything else and as you look out and look around it's tough to see where anything else is you can't see your compatriots you can't see any discernible landmark 
all you see kind of below you is this dust and it seems like it's been trampled over countless countless times by in indefinable footprints or something else that's compacted it down but periodically some of it blows away off the ground and wash like kind of like blows over your feet it's getting in your eyes it's getting in your hair and we see ashton kind of like start to trudge forward and what's what's his immediate reaction to that Um, I feel like, especially since he's had all this training, he just kind of, uh, you know, like hunkers down and trudges forward. All right, I guess I gotta do this now. And you hear like a cry off in the distance that at first almost sounds like an animal. And as you kind of continue on, you can hear that it's, it's not an animal, it's a voice. And, um, I think as you kind of move towards it slowly, what seems like take, it takes hours and hours and hours. You can hear that the, the voice is, um, the voice is familiar to you. It's a female voice. And periodically you can hear in addition to just shouts and screams and wails, in addition to sobs, you can periodically hear your own name. You trudge forward for days and, Again, this wind doesn't abate. At no point does it get lighter. At no point does it get darker. It's just biting wind that kind of like cuts through the, not only the clothes you're wearing, but all your attempts to kind of gird yourself from it. And as you've kind of walked to the point where you you don't think you can keep moving, your lips are parched, um, your your stomach is growling and making all kinds of noises, or actually long ago it has probably stopped doing that as it's been so long. Um you can see finally a shape in the distance. You see the shape up ahead, and at first you think it's a mountain, but then soon enough it's just kind of this crooked obelisk that is jutting out of the ground, and it's made of this kind of like dark matte black material that could be metal, it could be stone, you're not sure. And that is the the point of origin. That's the origin of these noises. And as you get closer, you can tell this is not just a, a woman's voice. This is very clearly your mother's voice. And soon enough, as you as you approach, you trudge slowly onward and onward after you've seen this thing and think, oh, there it is. It seems like the distance almost becomes exponentially longer. And it takes so much longer and so much will as you get closer and closer. And with each step, it's more difficult. And there, um, is she like bound to the thing in some kind of way, you think? Sure. How so? How is how is she how is she bound? Is she like crucified to it kind of a thing? Is oh, she God. Yeah, that's horrifying. Okay. You see Linda Green, your mother, um is crucified to this. Where something has like pierced through uh like pierced through her wrists and is like holding her body up off of the ground, maybe a story and a half in the air on this obelisk. Uh -huh. The things that are like piercing through through her wrist seem like they are uh, are they like the horns of animals that seemingly have grown out of this obelisk? Sure, that sounds great. Sure, they're like the ho like horns or antlers that have grown out of this obelisk and are holding her there. And you could tell that with each like labored, beleaguered breath, all she can do is like let out these cries of pain. 
God, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, horrified. I think he's holding his, uh, his sword and trying to get there as fast as possible to somehow get her down, but how would he even do that? Yeah, I think when you touch this thing, when you touch this obelisk, it's just, like, it's bitterly, bitterly cold to the point where you almost have to shrink back from it. Um, and you cry up to her, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, and so if Ashton cries up up to her, she she kind of rouses herself from this just shrieking and wailing that she's been doing. And she looks down and she says, she says, Ashton, no, no. And uh, she's she's terrified. So her her pain had her wailing had gone from um, uh, her wailing had gone from like this uh, like wailing and like these cries of pain, like physical pain and torment, to now there's almost this emotional torment mm-hmm. um, that she's that somehow now she's almost more hurt. Yeah, I think Ashton's just like I'm gonna get you down, but. Again, he has no idea how or if that's possible. You look in her eyes and you could just tell the thing that she's terrified is is she's she knows her son's in hell too. That her son died and he also went to hell. And the two of you are stuck there forever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you brought up Sisyphus. I forget who the other guy with the spoon is. Um, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Uh, yeah. Where it Carl. takes too long to feed yourself or something. Where it's like a spoon, but it has holes in it, so he can't... Oh, right. You know what I mean? Oh, the ocean. I, don't, I don't know that Yeah. One. But, yeah, so you had brought up Sisyphus, and this is that kind of a thing where it's like you... You seeing her and trying to get at her is almost like this punishment that you have. And this is essentially how the two of you spend this eternity, just being eternally tormented of you seeing her... To- in horrible pain that you cannot help her from. You cannot get yourself into any better situation. Um, and there's nowhere else to go. And her in the situation of uh, realizing that you're tormented as much as she is in this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the thing that we see, we kind of like, kind of, I think would almost zoom out from that interspliced with shots of just the two of you like wailing and suffering and crying and gnashing of teeth and rending of garments Um, and then kind of like interspersed with just shots of this zooming out to this uh, increasingly white nothingness We see Sundry kind of stuck in this place, and we hear the other teammates calling out. Sundry hears this, but he... What's his reason? They're calling out to him, but then he hears, like... um, Like, I don't know quite how to do this, but maybe they're calling out to him, but then he hears Heck, or he sees him or something, and it's more important for him to chase that than um, come back to his friends.
that white is this kind of energy that's pulsing in front of us. The kind of whiteness on the screen starts to kind of pulse and mm -hmm. um, pulse, not just white, but also there's this like red to it and standing, hovering over it is, um, is Jessica Lore with her hands on this, uh, this container and it's the container that Matlock was sealed in and mm -hmm. it is uh, like fracturing in all kinds of ways and she's got her hands over it like you would see like a seer hovering over a crystal ball and standing behind her almost doing the same thing with her is Mr. Heck we kind of zoom out to that and we see Darkblade standing there and he's alone do we see him alone or do we see him uh, do we see Darkblade alone or do we see Darkblade with the uh, maybe like standing amid the bodies of his uh, compatriots yeah let's say he's standing amidst um, doppelgangers that uh, all the doppelgangers that have been killed so far sure so oh maybe we oh all the doppelgangers like every single doppelganger that we've encountered yeah uh huh sure so like we see Darkblade kind of stepping forward and behind him is just this field strewn with bodies and some of the some of them we can see like faces and out of all of their mouths are coming that like smoke and out of wounds come this this smoke is pouring out and um this isn't just a few corpses this is this like i said a field of these and we see several shots where we can see several like oh there's one two three six ashes oh, a couple of sundries there's welker there's other people that we've encountered there's bishop there he is again and um, there's several dark blades and we see that you are kind of coming out of this like wading through this uh, not wading through that sounds like you're swimming in it um, but you're kind of like walking out of this field of just all of these like corpses and you come face to face with this and this is Jessica Lore hovering over this thing and you see that it's about to it's about to crack there's whatever whatever they've been doing this ritual is nearly complete you've never spoken to her but you've seen her on television you've seen interviews that she's done you've maybe heard Welker talk to her on the phone um, and she is just kind of speaking she doesn't seem to be speaking to Darkblade but speaking just kind of generally and she says um, in kind of this like like yelling out into the heavens kind of voice once I open this the power unleashed will be unfathomable. All at our fingertips, right here. The power to do anything. The power to remake this world as I have to make it. And that's what you think you're doing? You think you're remaking something? You've just... You've already got a tremendous amount of power, lady. What the hell are you doing destroying our town? It's not good enough for you? Destruction is just the first step. This whole world will be rebuilt. So much better. So much greater than it ever could have been before. Just one last step. And you see these things cracking even more so and beams of this white light um, are shooting out. Um, some of the bodies that are touched by this white light are like just evaporate immediately. Um, the red pulsating energy is there and Mr. Heck's eyes are no longer, um, you've never seen Mr. Heck, but you, you know, it's him instantly. This, this dark figure that Sundry had mentioned is mm -hmm. standing over her and no longer does this person have eyes, but instead they just seem like they're holes filled with fire that's pouring out of them. Um, and she says, 
Like so much trash, you two will be burned away in this this great conflagration that will that will start a new world. When you know, if you don't do something right now, this thing she's she's got this open. You have one second to react. You you made a deal with the devil, lady. You realize that he's gonna claim your soul when all this is done. You suddenly you look down. We see Darkblade looks down, and there in his hand, the trusty shotgun. Um, far off in the distance, there's more of these doppelgangers, and they start to rush towards Darkblade, um, hoping to stop him. But Darkblade's too quick. He senses that last bit of Matlock's energy that's about to explode forth and be used for this like nefarious purpose. And Darkblade whips shotgun. out this. Yeah, he Darkblade whips out this gun and blasts at Jessica Lore. That, like, white light seemingly just, like, shoots up at her and shoots up at Mr. Heck. And they just, like, evaporate. Evaporates the two of them. And you're standing there in front of this thing. And it's... Something has to be done with it. What does it look like? So, it almost seems like a... It's a cylinder that uh, seems cylinder. to be... Yeah, it's that it's that cylinder that almost imagine like a bank tube cylinder uh, kind of size thing. And it's had previously just been made of metal, like lead. And now it's kind of like almost imagine it's gotten it now looks more like a molten rock where there are like veins of these like energy that are pulsing out from it. And these beams of light that are kind of shooting out and something has to be done with this. And what makes you think that you're the one who can do something with this? Um, just my connection to the uh, the Fae or the little people. Yeah, you and, look at this uh, thing and you hear. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like whispers to me, and it's um, you know it just reeks of power. Just whereas Matlock was just a shadow of a you know what he once was. This thing is. Um, just throbbing with power, just totally throbbing. You can, and, yeah, you can, you can recognize this. You hear these whispers, and you can recognize it. You can feel it in your bones. You can feel it in your blood. Um, you can almost see um, the connections that you have, the connection that you have to it. And you think, you know, like there's what I'm made of makes up this energy. And we just see Darkblade kind of like getting closer and closer and closer to the thing feels pretty good once I pick it up it's like warm in my hands um I can kind of it like responds to my touch a bit and I can um with it I can like trap the souls of of Jessica Lore and uh, uh Mr. Heck I can like contain them within it I can feel it and then harness their power you see yourself kind of grabbing this thing and that energy um that had shot out seems to kind of be sucking back in and um you see like images of the smoke from these doppelgangers being sucked into this uh being sucked into this canister and you see kind of an image in light of jessica lore you hear this this deep voice kind of on the wind say like only he could handle it. He was he was made of this. Only he could handle it. He was the one made of this. And um, you see, like that huge mass, this huge mass of energy being sucked back in as you're holding on to this. And um, and I think that's when we cut away. 
we see this like look on Darkblade's uh, Darkblade's face as he's like sweating, and as we kind of pull away from him for a moment, we see that the other characters are there, and this is the first time in this episode we've seen we've seen all four of our our heroes in in the same place. We see everybody else super distraught. We see Sundry kind of staring dead eyed at the rest of the group, looking around, and this is the first time that we see you guys are in this weird um, this weird kind of void and what's around you is um, you don't seem to be walking on anything this is very like in the matrix when they're just in that big white expanse of nothing Um, there doesn't seem to be a floor or a ground where anything ends seems super indeterminate Um, but rather than it just be this one big white color or things similarly be black Um, there's just kind of these weird pulses of energy that move through um, the air. And I shouldn't even say air. They are just visible in places. And the way I kind of equate it is if you imagine when you close your eyes really, really tight and you see kind of some like little lights as you've got your eyes closed, it's that, but a little bit more psychedelic. And I know we had compared some of this to the movie Mandy, um, previously, and kind of has that vibe to it. You are not in Kansas anymore, for sure. This isn't the world as you know it. Walker will, like, sort of, um, he'll still be saying, like, this isn't real, this isn't real, like, trying to convince himself of that as he has his hands over his ears, and he finally opens his eyes and sees that, yeah, it wasn't real, but the reality is not really much better. And he'll, like, try and get his bearings, um, look at the rest of the team um and uh is there anything we can make out in the in this place or is it just formless nothing hmm that seems like you're maybe reading a bad situation i read that bad situation go for it okay i got a seven got a seven cool you get to ask one of those questions okay um all right what's the biggest threat so the two, the Walker, as you kind of look around, you see Sundry standing there kind of somewhat blankly and you see Darkblade um, just sweating profusely, almost like fixed on something. Like he's got his hands in front of him and he's kind of like um, almost vibrating with, um, it almost seems like a person who's having, I don't want to say like an anxiety attack, but they're like staring or like maybe a seizure and um, Ashton, who is um, throwing a different kind of fit or having a different kind of episode where he just seems like so distraught. This is coming from being in this place. Being in this place has thrown all of you kind of out of whack for sure. And you can realize that in addition to not really being, I had used the term like not in Kansas anymore, you can realize you're not in the regular world and that you're much closer to the exact point of this center of power that Ashton and Darkblade had mentioned before. And you know the point, the focal point, the last of these nodes of these ley lines is right nearby. And when you look over in a direction where you can feel this energy coming from, there you see... um, you see this like 
uh, like just this ball of what looks like fire and electricity kind of like pulsing out around this and you know that that's um, the greatest danger the greatest danger is that this ritual is being completed in this in this place okay so clear the 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 danger is clear and present so like Welker will go to rouse um, dark blade and mr. green let's see like on your feet boys uh, this isn't over yet you know, like trying to like, snap them back to reality get them back on mission we're almost there um, just a little further this is all over like we can do this you know, like take a step and like um, sort of indicate that like we should all go Ashton this actually or Ash this seems fairly familiar because as you guys start to walk forward and start moving in this direction that Wilker's Wilker's pointing and Wilker's trying to bring you guys it's that same feeling of you are trudging and trudging and you're not sure at first if you're getting any closer to this and um yeah I think that there is moving around in this place doesn't follow the regular laws of physics completely and I don't just mean like there ain't no gravity and you're floating around or something like that or up is down and down is up um this ain't your daddy's gravity yeah it's not bizarro world um that you're in but the 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 laws of physics don't seem to be matching up with what you understand them to be at all and I think that someone, one of you, is going to have to make some kind of role to manage to get yourselves to this place where you need to be. And I think this might be our first role um, that says, like, okay, you know where you have to go within this terminus, within this, like, nether plane that is between heaven and, uh, heaven and earth, that is between earth and hell. Um the terminus as I'm calling it someone's going to have to make a role to get to this place and I could be convinced that that's anything probably a cool role does make the most sense I'll try a cool role okay so um, what is give me give me just a super easy idea then we'll make the role and then we'll flesh out uh, how, we, how we go about this I guess, like, Sundry's just trying to walk toward that light, but but not get hit by it. You guys seemingly are walking in that direction, and you're not making any progress. Nothing seems like it's getting any closer to you. What's the change-up that he goes through that is like, oh, and now we are actually getting close to this thing? What if, like, one of the barriers is that, um, as opposed to it being, like, a, you know, a magical barrier or a physical barrier or whatever, it's like, we're just constantly getting lost because this place has like no form or substance or there seems to be something about this place that is confusing us or making us turned around and just like well maybe just like sundry's absence of a dream we'll establish that later but but sundry just doesn't seem to be as affected by it as evidenced by this role and so like the cool role is like him trying to um clear his mind not be influenced by that and like see just see a way through sort of like by force of will okay that that's that's fine by me go for it I got a snake eyes alrighty <laughs> nice Whew. okay 
damn. So yeah, that force of will that you're trying to exert and you're yeah. trying to you're you're remembering, you're connecting to um you're maybe you're thinking of uh just all you've learned with Mother Thala and the at the church and all these conversations about like being this like navigator and charting a path. Um and just more of these ideas are almost themselves like further confusing you and making you doubt each step that you're further taking where when you start going in a direction um, you're trying to find you're trying to find almost an additional an additional waypoint but you're you're throwing yourself off even more so with each step uh, I've got kind of this clock of stuff that's going down but I'm gonna I'm going to fast forward things here as like you guys are kind of wandering around through this. And we, we have this moment, not this moment, but we have this time where we can tell that you guys are lost and we see this, we hear this like, so it just sounds like a heavily like echoey, um, distorted chord almost, but combined with the sound of things fracturing and the fracturing noises um, the only way you I could describe it is it feels like your teeth are shattering in your mouth as you as you hear this and it's not a noise that comes just from a particular direction but seems to be all around and the whole of the world that you are in seems to crack a bit where there isn't just one like oh we're on this large plane, and based on the center of where we're trying to go, there's a crack that opens up in the ground. Instead, imagine if you were in a world that is within a glass bubble, and then the glass bubble starts to shatter. And um, you guys can much more easily at this point, now that things essentially have gotten worse and you have a better waypoint, can get into that area. Though you can tell things are far worse than they had been moments ago. Well, it seems like we're all kind of, like, groping blind here, so, um, as far as, like, our ability to traverse this place better than anyone else, so walking towards it seems to be the best idea so far, right? Yeah, so previously you guys hadn't been able to find, I liked Lee's description of, you guys almost kept getting lost. There was no real point for you to reference to get closer to something and almost imagine holodeck style where the holodeck can get you to just walk around in a circle and you think you're going in one direction and you're really not. Um, but now that these things have cracked and this power has become even more potent, you can very clearly get to that point. And I think as you guys approach it, you can see... Um, and Darkblade, this is a scene that's very familiar to you. You see Jessica Lore for the first time. Um, she's still... She's got her hand on top of this uh, canister, and this canister seems like it's um, almost like white hot, and it's ringed in this... Um, it's ringed in this flame and this energy, and kind of like pulsating up through her is this crackling energy as well and holding, she's got her right hand on this and holding her left hand um, with his right. Sundry, you can see, is Mr. Heck. And he's got his hand um, hovering over hers 
above this canister. Like the two of them just seem to be like mouth, like they're mouthing something. But every time you try to hear it, it just seems like it's just more of that cracking noise. It doesn't seem like it's words. Every time you try to focus in on what they're saying, it's just more of that noise that just, like I said, the only dis- way I could describe it would be like the sound, something that sounds the way your teeth shattering in your mouth would feel. It's like when you play uh, Sundry's song backwards. Yeah, and that's that's the trick. Um, does it seem like they know we're here? Hmm. If we've got the drop on them, or if it seems like we might, that might change what we do next. Grenade. Okay. On. Obviously. Sure. Let's just have you. Let's just have you do that to like like display the next aspect of this. Uh. So, go on. So is that is 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 that what you were thinking? You're, are you thinking that like oh we've got the drop on these guys? They're busy doing this ritual. So. I feel like it's this sort of like pretty classic trope where it's like, okay, you have the final confrontation and like the bad guy is on his side of the line, the good guy is on his side of the line, and let's exchange words before we do the thing. It's like here, it's like, okay, maybe we've got an opportunity to just like skip that whole part. They don't see us here. Let's just shoot them. Yeah. Like, maybe let's just we're end this. So like maybe like in a like in a non dramatic fashion, like we just open fire on these people. Sure. Um yeah, so just Welker or just the whole the whole crew? No, uh, if if uh, if you gesture like you're gonna shoot, um, Sandra will get in on that action. Try to harpoon Mister Hack. Yes, smite him. smite him good with a smiting rod. Sure, I think maybe Welker is the first person to do that to whip out this grenade launch his trusty grenade launcher and yeah, fire so at this. Um, and you see this explosion kind of. You see that this grenade explodes far closer, essentially, to where you are um, than anywhere near them. And um, you see a sight that Sundry, you can tell what this is immediately. Like, you feel it in your bones and can tell what this is. And I think, Ashton, you are... Um, you can recognize this from stories you've read and uh, like the scrawlings of madmen from uh, millennia ago um, men who were thought to be prophets or seers but who uh, plucked out their own eyes so they couldn't see it again kind of like terrors surrounding Mr. Heck and Jessica Lore as you see as you see them is this is this shape and I think to Welker and to Darkblade, it is just this strange shape that they don't recognize what it is at first. It kind of looks like, you know, the in the Game of Thrones opening, there's that like wheel that's kind of turning. That's kind of like the sun. Mm-hmm. It's a series of almost wheels that are within one another, but not concentric wheels where they are smaller. They are like overlapping with one another. And um, all of them seem to be on fire and there are coming out of these wheels, these kind of like gnarled, clawed hands that seem somewhat skeletal. And off of it are, again, off of these like 
like random points on this wheel are these wings, many of which seem like they've been like flayed open. Some are just bones, others are on fire. And, um, and the wheel itself is just moving. And regularly on it, you'll see one of the terrifying eyes that look very similar to the eyes you saw up in the sky of the, those new stars. And Ashton, you can tell for sure, this is one of the terrifying images of what an angel is. Um, that, like, again, like, millennia ago, madmen had seen in their visions and scrawled before they jumped off a building because they didn't want to endure the visions any longer. And, Sundry, you can tell, this is Mr. Heck. Oh, I see. So I'll smite him instead. What do we see Sundry doing here? Just going to try to harpoon, like, one of the eyes, I guess. Okay. Um... So let's kick some ass. I got a 10. Pretty good roll. Now the advance moves only if I get a 12, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So I force him where I want him. And specifically, I'm going to try to get him away from whatever it is he's like ritualizing. Sure. So. Um, yeah, let's figure out what this, let's figure out what this looks like. So, and if I hit him with the, the, um, harpoon, the harpoon is like blessed. It has smite on it. Mm -hmm. I doubt this will become, come down to a simple harm roll, but I think it's three. Um, and then the, the smite means, um, your body and divine weapon count as a weakness against the monster you fight. Yeah, the the weakness here is an is an interesting one for sure. Um, he's weak to my body. That's I love that song. Um, okay, so we so so what does this look like? We do we see? Are do you just run at this thing and try to leap forward Ahab style and try to harpoon one of the eyes in this? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so maybe we see that, and you stab into this thing, and it is, um, it, it's, it's like a surface that you've never encountered before. It's simultaneously, like, incredibly brittle and hard, and but it also kind of, like, gives way in a weird kind of uh, method, or not method, in a weird sense, and um, it pulls Sundry in in this way as it kind of, like, turns over because again these are these spinning wheels and I think out of this um, out of this wound that you jam into into this eye um, out of out, out of this wound just pours forth this crazy amount of fire like a fire that is not not even remotely anything like you've encountered you've encountered before. This is this is like the fire of hell that's just being belched all over Sundry as he's rolling, uh, as he's being like rolled with this thing and he's pulling at it and so it kind of rolls itself almost out of the way. Hmm. And so that, uh, again, you're trying to get this where you want it. The other characters can get closer to um, or gain access in some kind of way to Mr. Heck and um, Jessica Lore, although really you're dealing with Mr. Hex, Sundry, you know that. Um, 
and you're going to take four damage as this magical hellfire rips through your body. This wheel is... This, the size of it is... Again, the physics of it don't quite make sense. Oh, wait. Um, can, I, can I soak one of those? No, up. actually. Oh, okay. So it just it just rips through. Unless, unless is your armor some kind of magical, like, blessed yeah. armor in some way? It is? It, it, it's just like his his body. He's... Uh... Uh, you count as having two armor. <laughs> Sorry, that's all it says. Uh, let me figure out what the power is called. Uh, it's it's the invincible. You count as having two armor. Doesn't stack with other protection. Yeah, I think this still. Hmm. I think since this is magical, it might still just rip through it. Okay. Yeah, this thing, the size of this is indeterminate at times, and um, when he jumped at it. It seemed like it was um, like the size of a huge building. And as he's like, as it rolls away, um, it seems in some ways smaller and in other ways larger. Like, again, the physics of this don't quite mesh with our understanding of reality. Well, it sounds like he's given us an opening to, to try something else a little closer to the humanoid forms. Uh, Welker tried his grenade. I don't know if somebody else wants to give it a go. Yeah, um, Darkblade will um, shoot his shotgun at uh, Mr. Heck. Okay, so I think that you blast this shotgun at the form of Mr. Heck, who again looks kind of very... Oh, he looks like Harry Heck from the Punisher movie with Tom Jane. Um, You kind of shoot this towards him and the shot kind of just rips through and there's just smoke and it doesn't seem to phase him in the slightest. And you realize, oh yes, this is a place of power. And this is a place that directly has connected connection with his power, which is hell. I'm not just going to be able to shoot this guy to death. And you guys had figured out there's going to need to be a ritual to stop to get rid of Mr. Heck. This isn't something like, like haha, I'm just stronger than you. Now, are, are, Mr. are Mr. Hex human forms and Jessica Lure still chanting through all this? Yes, they're they're still still standing there doing that exact thing. So they appear to just be unfazed by all this like gunfire and like harpoonery going on around them. Yeah. So that stuff ripped through Mr. Heck, um, the the form of him, the the humanoid looking form. So is the the wheel creature the representation? Would that be um? Is that possible to try to banish banish like cast out evil, or is that like a too great of a threat? So you're. Is it possible to do this? Yes, and you know it's going to require that ritual. Like it's going to require some kind of ritual to do this thing. But not for my move, I mean, though, right? By that, do you mean can you use this dagger and stab it and get it to be banished? Yeah. It'll probably require more than that, mm, but that's okay. probably that could work as a good like weight jumping off point from there. Um, what about Mister Hex's body? Does that uh, cast out evil potential? Again, same same basic deal. Uh, but as far as I think, Sundry has more of a connection with Mister Heck. Um, but Ashton can tell if Mr. Heck is really this demon and if demons are fallen angels, then that thing that Sundry's grappling with seems to be the demon. Right. But 
Okay, sure. So could that, could you do something with the human, more humanoid looking representation of Mr. Heck? You could, as a jumping off point from that. Are you, if you're trying to figure this out, this might be a, another role. Uh, I'm willing to roll something. Sure. Um, it sounds like you're trying to investigate this mystery by putting these things together or reading a bad situation. Either of those is fine by me. Uh, I guess I'm trying to find out what can hurt it. So I guess investigate a mystery sounds good. If that works for you. Uh, so that's an eight. All right, an eight. I guess, like I said, I was going to ask what can hurt it. Unless there's another question you think that what I was trying to do makes more sense. Um, no, I think that this, I think that this works. So like we had already said, this is a place of power and a magical ritual can be done here that could do things that normally you could never do in game terms, big magic. Um, you could do that here in this situation to really banish an actual demon, which you realize that's what this is. This isn't some kind of like lesser being or some kind of, um, uh, this is something that from your understanding is older than anything and um like like um like second unto unto a god basically like in order to stop this you're going to like the best you can do is kick it out of here basically like your attempt like oh i'm going to kill it is more like no i got to banish it like you're saying and to do that by having its name, you can better get a handle on that. Um, beyond that, you know that there's going to have to be some kind of sacrifice with this. And that that sacrifice is going to have to be big. You had looked through these... Um, you would look through these like ancient tomes to figure this out. And you know, yeah. you've seen like an image just like this. And I think that um, you had uh, you would kind of put together elements of like what the names of these demons are. And not so much that like this equals this but like these are the kind of things that they they are named after and that their names are kind of aspects of what they are and what they do and um because those names were kind of given to them at the at the dawn of the creation of the universe they've like cemented within them what kind of they are and you remember back to just your your visions of you and your mother in hell and um her her wails and screams carried on the wind to you that brought you there. And, um, you remember like the, the whispers, the whispers of her voice and the, the terrifying whispers of Ron's voice when he said, well, I guess I'm going to have to smash her head open with this hammer. Goodbye. And hung up the phone. And you remember all these things and you could tell that this is a creature that, um, that it tempts that it tempts people to do things and it offers them those things and it whispers to them. And all these things come as like a bad wind that comes or a, an evil wind that comes fart jokes, go for it. Anybody? No. So um, like this comes as this kind of evil sinister wind that um, tempts people into this darkness and into doing these terrible things. 
and this is the um, the one thing. And if you guys have a better name, that means this. I am totally down because we have never heard this name before. But you know that the uh, that this demon's true name is. You're able to figure it out and put these things together. Maybe we see Ash like racing through it. Well, yo, you can tell me how you figure this out. But the name is that I came up with. That is my old Demon Games character, Zephyrael. Like Zephyr and then stupid demon suffix. I like it, like Zephyr Hills. Like Zephyr Hills, yes. He's he's full of water. He's actually a water demon. That was the thing that you guys never got. Yeah, That was Chris- why he was carrying that trident the whole time. Yeah, he just picked on the one like uh, uh, Christian who's also like a worshipping uh, this maritime stuff so so i'm prepared so yeah so how does how is it that ash figures out that that is the name of this demon um yeah i like the way you explained it just that it's um he pieces together that's been tempting people this whole time since we've known him this is the demon specifically known for temptation you said yeah you might say that under his breath, like he's just—he's been tempting us the whole time. I know who this is. And it says that name, Zephyrile. Mm-hmm. It'd be sure. cool if, uh, like Sundry knew that when you played one of his tracks backwards, you could hear that word, Zephyrile. Right? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the myth that, like, if you play, like, certain... I forget what it is, like, Led Zeppelin or something backwards, you can you can hear, like, the name of the devil. Uh, so, like, it might be cool if, like, the way you figure it out is by explaining it to us. And Well, I guess that it doesn't make sense because we're in the middle of this huge fight. Uh, so, never mind. Just trying to loop in that that thing from pop culture with this, but doesn't really work here. Sure. Well, um, I think at that, if Ashton says that under his breath, figure of Mister Heck that's standing next to Jessica Lore turns it turns its head, and you see that its eyes are no longer the like um, the eyes that we had seen it have, the kind of like. Uh, piercing dark eyes barely covered by the Stetson that we'd seen um, when Sundry would meet with him. Instead, the eyes are, yeah, like just these empty holes out of which are, like, you can see, like, almost burning coals that are just belching forth smoke. Um, and, like, smoke and flame. And as he, like, looks, he looks back over at Ash. And then the, uh, the form of Mr. Heck, the ball that is this whirling mass of wings and eyes and hands and claws um, belches out all of this essentially just gouts of flame um, that come at certainly Welker, Ash, and Darkblade. And I think you guys are going to have to uh, make a cool roll to avoid getting burned terribly by this hellfire. I got an eight. An eight. Out, I got an eleven. And Darkblade, DB. 
we got a seven. Okay, so nobody nobody bombed it. What does it look like when this fire? You are almost absolutely incinerated by this hellfire, this gout of hellfire that blasts at you. Um, so it didn't quite get us. So maybe like I sidestep it uh, at the last moment, and like it like singes me. Um, and like as the smoke clears, like maybe I see either doppelgangers or like. Uh, or like my kids or wife like they're in like they're like half undead form who like is a, just wants to hurt me because like I'm just a pure combatant yeah you leap you leap backwards and you stumble into someone and if, at first you assume it's dark blade or you assume it's ashton or someone and instead when you turn around it is the um yeah it's the form of uh who should it be julia probably be the easiest if we're talking someone dangerous an adult sure. sized woman yeah, but you, yeah, you see that form of Julia Welker that you had seen in the, in that incubation tube in Doctor McLean's um, uh, quarantine lab or stasis lab in the Lore Corporation Palmetto office, and she like kind of grabs at you, and um, like she has one of your arms, she's got part of your shirt, and you look into her eyes, and you could see like. Um, yeah, you can just see that this this woman who you'd spent so much of your life with is has that same cold, dead look in her eyes that you saw in your own eyes when you stared at yourself in that gross uh, motel room bathroom mirror. And she has like the same, like, I'm for once feeling what it's like to be on the opposite end of like the grip that's not quite humanly strong. And she's like grabbing me. Um, Yeah. So we can go to, go to town with each other. Then. Yeah. And meanwhile, Darkblade. Okay. Yeah. So what does it look like when Darkblade does he similar just the similarly just leap out of the way of this fire? Blows with his breath. Just blows it away. Okay. Maybe as this is coming towards you, you do almost kind of like turn yourself in a way where you turn it as much as it turns you, or turn. You turn it as much as you move away from it yourself. Mm -hmm. And you realize again, like the physics of this place are not what you're used to. And you thought for sure, oh, this is going to burn half my body off. And then you just were able to get it out of the way in part because as much as you moved out of the way of it, you moved it away from yourself. Okay. You see that Jessica Lore and Mr. Heck are chanting. They seem like they're chanting, and yet they're not specifically saying anything. You can't hear any words that are coming out of their mouth mouths. All you hear is this noise that sounds like this like cracking distortion sound that feels like like I said, like your teeth are gonna jump out of your mouth. Like all your like all your bones are fighting their best with one another and trying to get out of your body. You know that Jessica Lore is obviously keenly keenly involved in this process. She's literally the one touching this cylinder and chanting with this stuff along with Mr. Heck. Plus, Ashton, you can tell that this is a, temp a demon of, like, temptation. He's, she seems to be the one who has been tempted. Jessica, uh, you oh, fucking dits. What were you thinking? This guy clearly is not a person but a devil 
you idiot. He's a wheel of fire and has eyeballs all over him and um, emanates songs. Like, what were you thinking? This is a classic, you know, you don't make deals with these kinds of people. Well, some do. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. some some people also make deals with lizard people, all right? Um, but <laughs> they're also idiots, okay, Jessica? So, you know... Okay, so get hold, hold his on. tongue out of your brain and listen up before you kill everyone, you idiot. Um, you've been yelling all this stuff at her, like, don't you realize, you moron, you've made a deal with the devil. Uh, as charming as that is, go ahead and make your charm roll. Oh, I have charm is zero, I get an eight. You get an eight. Okay, an eight. You fucking idiot. Yeah, that's that's your convincing thing that you're like, you fucking stupid idiot. You moron. Um, this is classic deal with the devil. You're gonna get uh, you're gonna get the shitty end of the stick here. Come on. Okay. Whatever's left of your soul when this is done, uh, you know he's gonna just he's gonna just use that as toilet paper. Come on. But maybe something think, light. You think he's what do you think he cares about you you think he's gonna really you're the one in charge here oh god he's classic freaking corporate idiot making a deal with the devil okay so i think that you as you're saying these things um we do see that jessica lore her concentration seems to break for a moment like you can't really hear what she's like fully what she's saying still it just sounds like those weird those weird noises and feelings. Um, but she seems to like stumble over it as like her eyes kind of like flit to dark blade as he's yelling at her dark blade. I think that you get a vision of what Jessica lures like thinking, like you get like a vision of her mindset or like maybe even see like a, a flashback of hers. So as she kind of like looks at you, and like whatever this sound is is projected briefly even stumblingly at you as opposed to at this thing you're hit with this um this series of of flashbacks and you see uh like a young girl growing up in kind of like this middle of nowhere town um like out in the plains you see her um like experience something that she cannot understand when she tells other people that she thinks that she saw um she thinks that she saw an angel or she thinks that she saw god or she thinks she was abducted by aliens and no one can explain it to her but no one can convince her otherwise instead of um retreating into herself you see that she like commits herself to finding everything out about the world that she possibly possibly can um you see her getting all kinds of accolades in these various like academic institutions and at the super young age, starting this, um, starting this company that like Zuckerberg style, like explodes into like, my God, this is one of the biggest four companies in the world. And she's, she's what 27. Whoa. What a wonderkind kind of a thing. So like you see all of these like newspaper clippings and, um, her like receiving, a. Um, her like receiving the key to the city in um, like multiple different places, like including not in the United States as like her, as the lore corporation and various foundations have helped all Light of these people. 
Yeah, she's got the key to the city of Vladivostok. She's like, I just love the uh, the eastern coast of Russia. That's why it's actually fan. Um, this, the country is huge. So um, she, you see her like always looking into this, but always remembering back to her having encountered something that she couldn't explain, and this desire to understand it, and this desire to know it. And um, you see. Um, years before your team had gotten together, maybe even like a decade before your team had gotten together, her coming to this realization that the things that she'd, the thing that she encountered, there's other parts of it out there. And she starts assembling these and she realizes that there are these points of power and these points of enlightenment. And she could, um, these points of power, these points of importance throughout the world. And she has all these people studying it and all these researchers and she realizes that this is the key to understanding all of it. And she is the only one who's put the time in and has been determined enough. And she's the only one who's seen it A to Y. And all she's got to do is Z. And the whole thing is complete. You can just tell this like right away about her. Like she is convinced that she can control this. Um, and that she's doing this of her own volition and accord. That she's discovered this stuff. Oh, you think you're the first one to, in the world to... So, I, I, to, to, just to just so we don't go back to that same thing, I think that you did shake her confidence, and you guys definitely got a, a success on your success meter of stopping this ritual. Um, but that also, like, let you you do that. She kind of, like, like, like shakes it off and goes back to this, this ritual, and this chanting kind of starts up again in earnest as... Um, yeah, those sounds are just even even louder and stronger than before. And it sounds like glass kind of rubbing across like a street. Um, and it feels like if you've ever... It, it sounds the way if you've ever touched fiberglass and you can't get those little bits out from under your skin. Uh, meanwhile, Sundry, you and um, this, this writhing ball of hell um are like like you're locked in with this thing as you're trying to stab at it further with this harpoon and yeah i, I have an idea for how sundry's confrontation with heck can go um but it's it would kind of be the last card sundry could play and i'm happy to do that now i think it might be interesting okay um if you think it could be interesting, we could we could see how this goes, yeah. All right. So while he's wrestling with Heck, he'll be like, uh, listen, Heck, this this isn't your style. Um uh, I'm sure there's one last bargain we can come to here. And yeah, I think that the the noise you hear is just like an ear splitting, deafening uh, sound that uh, makes you want to pull your eyes out. But you you could you could keep going. That doesn't mean he's not. That doesn't mean you're not being listened to. That's just there's no kind of like words that are in response to what you're what's going on. I know I got something you want, and that's my soul, and. Uh... I'm still prepared to bargain for it. And he'll just go on and he'll say, um, 
Hell, I'll even uh, I'll even challenge you on uh, uh, turf that'll give you the home field advantage. Um, I reckon uh, I reckon you should strip me of this uh, music talent you gave me, and then uh, you and I should have one last sing off. Winner take all. So we heard uh, Lucifer was supposed to be the uh, the head of the choir angels, but uh, maybe all this time kicking around hell, you're just a two-bit piece of shit now. This American Monster is a production of This American Dice. This American Monster uses the Monster of the Week system, a game published by Evil Hat Productions and by Michael Sands. Sundry Charms is Lee. Chase Welker is Carl. Darkblade69 is Alex. Ashton Green is David. And your Game Master is Austin Smith. Our theme song is by Patrick Ross. It's called Sinlude. This episode featured music. Q5 Dark Samba Sad Spooky Ambient Even in My Dreams by Solar Flare. Churchy by Coven. Earthly Destiny by Sir Cubworth. For You King by Ender Gurnier. And Glacier Bells by Daniel Birch. It also featured Marisa Quijano Sirwa as Jessica Lore. Join us next week, next Thursday, for the grand finale, the final episode of This American Monster. Every Friday, we also have our short games. Every Saturday and Sunday, you can also find episodes of our long and short games respectively posted on YouTube. Like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll see you next week.